Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Where They've Been. My name is Jeff. I'm your host. And today, for the very first time ever, I'm introducing my co-host, Zachary Moore. Hey, Zach. What's up, Jeff? Hey, how are you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well. I'm excited. We just uh, we just sent your episode out last week, and um, it was only a minor failure. So we're just going to go ahead and keep moving forward. <laughs> I think I said like probably 150 times. And I feel like if you edited that out, it would have been about 45 minutes instead of an hour and 45 minutes. So yeah. it was fine. It was a good time. Like, I'm just like, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm like, a 10 year old girl, you know, <laughs> good time. Oh my goodness, dude. No, I'm excited to have you with me in the intros and the outros here on the podcast. It'll be a lot less lonely and then I'll have more accountability to not do as many, you know, takes. Is that what they call it in the, in the acting world? Takes. I think so. We can get one of those things that go slap down. Yeah. The takers. No, that's gotta be called something. Slap card. The action hitter. I mean, it's something. I I mean, if they get paid millions of dollars, it's got to be called the action. It's got to be called something cool. You know what I mean? Like, not the takes. I feel like it's right on the tip of my tongue, though. Anyways, this episode, we're going to be hearing from uh, my good friend. I get to interview my friend, Mackenzie Gimbin. And uh, I really love this episode. I know you did, too. And uh, man, I can't wait to talk about it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Mackenzie Gimbin. Maybe we can walk that road again. Take a little time to sit and listen. Maybe you can learn from where I've been. From where I've been. From where I've been. From where I've been. All right. We're live. Are we live? Welcome, Mackenzie. Hi. How are you? Oh, great. Happy, <laughs> happy to be here. It's past happy. my bedtime. 8.43. Yeah, it's past my bedtime as well. So if I doze off in the middle of it, don't take it personally. May or may I mean, not take... have already taken a nap, so yeah. it's fine. I mean, I take it a little bit personal if that's how the conversation's going, but not super that's personal. Snoozer. Snoozer. <laughs> I mean, we just got through Easter week, so let's get yeah. real. I've had five yeah. naps in the last two days. Yeah. Good. So when you're when you're in the church world, Easter week is like the Super Bowl. You know, you prepare, oh. it's everything, and then you're super tired. Then you slump for like two months. Yeah. Two months. I mean, I was gonna say a few days, but oh months. sorry, sorry. I guess yeah. I guess I we're guess being lazy. Real honest. <laughs> Yes, we're being real honest in conversation. So where where are you at right now? Are you in the German town? Yeah, the German town. Yeah, I'm in the German town. I the live in German, German town. town. Well, yeah. you know, I usually ask people where they're where they're joining us from. You know, we can't tell oh. from the the depth of the video that we won't be showing, you know. Oh, please do not show this. The German um, town where the Germans live. Where the Germans originate, which that's so false. But yeah, Germantown, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. That's how you know someone's not from Wisconsin. That from people from Wisconsin are like Wisconsin. If they're not. It's Wisconsin. Fun fact: I did not know that. Oh yeah, or I thought everyone just didn't pronounce it stupidly like you did the second one. What? And then Milwaukee, Milwaukeeans say Milwaukee. 
but people not from Milwaukee say Milwaukee. That's true. No, you know, they're an outsider. That's true. Yeah. We have the same thing in Illinois when people say Illinois, um, or say that. That's so weird. Absolutely. It's like, did you not learn your States in high school or junior high or definitely not definitely college that they're teaching you. Yeah. And then we have a, a city near us, Joliet, but everyone calls it Joliet. Oh, that, well, that, I mean, you could see where they would go there. Maybe. I guess, I guess. Julie, to, whatever. I hate cities. Okinamawak. Okinamawak. Oh, I was like, are we going straight to Japan here or what's where happening? Where are we? Still in Wisconsin. I mean, I know you got that Ko-Fi account. I feel like that's like, what is that? Japanese oh. or I'm super confused. I think people just like want to be cool with coffee and they were just let's call it ko-fi ko hyphen fi is that for real this the reason it's called that i think so like it's just it's for it's for buying people coffee like five it's like people donate five dollars and buy an artist a cup of coffee or whatever air quotes so yeah to support the artist really Mm mm-hmm I like for real, like this is going to sound so stupid, but I for real thought it was like a specific caricature type thing, you know, like the drawings and stuff. (laughs) And I'm like, maybe it's because you're doing some drawings that are like 3D. And I'm like, man, Ko Fi, like how, like, it's literally for coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Hashtag, I just need to get cultured right now. (laughs) Unbelievable. It's fine. It's fine. So, yeah, if you want to buy Mackenzie a, a coffee, I guess that's what that means. So yeah, hit up my co hyphen phi. Co hyphen phi. All right. So let's jump in to what makes Mackenzie Gimbin the greatest artist and person we know. Ugh. And uh starting at the beginning of life. Let's just go to the beginning. No, I feel like we could the beginning of life. The beginning of life. The first breath. Oh, wow. No, not at first breath for real. But yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to, this is a long form conversation. So, wow. Well, um, first breath, my parents, my mom is very artistic. So like she, I, oh my gosh, I remember when I was really little, we used to clean my dad's, um, like job that he worked at. He worked at waste management and we would always help him clean. Like my parents had a side cleaning business. Yeah. And when us kids were done, we would get really bored. And I would ask my mom to draw me a horse and she literally would draw a horse with a pen and paper and I'd go colored in with highlighters. Like that was what I did for fun. And then she would just like draw these random characters. Like one time we we were doing a road trip and I'm like obsessed with Disney princesses. Like I need to meet Cinderella someday, but like (laughs) growing up, watch the animated Cinderella. And like, that was my favorite, like all the Disney princesses. And so for a, like a long road trip, my mom once drew all the Disney princesses and Mm -hmm. I called them in and they were my like toys for the car ride. Like that was just what my mom did. She decorated our cakes for our birthdays, never bought like a nice one. I'm like, really? the store yeah she always just decorated it so like Noah my brother would get like a Thomas the Tank Engine cake and I would get my Disney princess cake or my little pony like she just always did that stuff Hmm. um 
So I just always grew up around that. And my mom would like make us do like quiet time in our room, alone time in our rooms. And we would end up usually like writing in our diary or journal for boys or <laughs> like <laughs> um, we'd end up drawing or whatever. So she would do that. Oh my, what else? Oh, we would go on like nature walks mm. and we'd come back from the nature walks and we'll have like picked up flowers or stuff from like the walk. And then once we got back, we'd watercolor whatever we picked up on the road. Like she just always incorporated art. Dang. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, she also knew that like learning an instrument was really good for like development of like your brain. So she started all of us on instruments when we were four. Hmm. So I learned the violin. My brother learned guitar, stopped playing guitar, picked it back up. And now he's like a phenomenal guitar player. Um, my second youngest sister, Savannah started playing guitar and my youngest sister played violin. So we all kind of picked our instrument. Um, and then my mom noticed that I would sing along to every Disney princess movie, obviously. So I'd be singing, I'll make a man out of you from Mulan or (laughs) (laughs) wish your heart makes in all the things. So like tunes, those are some bangers. Let's get real. Honestly. So I would always be singing to Cinderella and Mulan and sleeping beauty and all that stuff. So she knew I was a singer too. And then I make up my own dance numbers because why wouldn't I? Yeah. I would do dance performance for my parents all the time in our, in our living room. I'd just twirl and jump off of the table for no reason. So do you so feel that, like, do you feel like creativity was something that was like created in you? Or do you feel like it was like a natural thing that like your mom just kind of helped along the way? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you feel like yeah. you, when you were like doing these things, you're like, yeah, this is me. Or do you feel like it was kind of because of her help that that's why you got a passion for it or a little bit of both? I, I think it was definitely like stewarded with her. Like yeah. she, she just pushed all of us to grow in whatever we got excited about. So she like, she would have us try things. And even if we weren't good at it, she was always super like, this is amazing. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, Mackenzie, an artist knows when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would do a project and I just wouldn't quit. I would keep adding new things. Kenzie, a good artist knows when to stop. <laughs> so I just, I don't know. She always did that. And every single one of us, I mean, we all grew up to kind of be fearless when it came to art. Um, sure. And my dad always was super super like he wasn't the one that was the artistic one but he was always really encouraging like whenever he would hear me sing he would cry or like gosh I just had the most talented kids (laughs) (laughs) we just grew up where my parents encouraged that so much in us and always made us feel like we were the best when we like weren't but we always had that confidence which was they totally instilled that in us yeah yeah Um, so fast forward, I, I played violin until eighth grade, but I hated it. I hated practicing so much. So I sang cause that came way more naturally to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was, oh my gosh, I remember walking by the room where everyone was auditioning for Oliver in fifth grade. 
And I was like, I'm not going to sing for real because if people hear me sing for real, they're just going to laugh at me. Mm. So I like would always like, even in church, I would just like fake singing. Cause one time I remember singing for real and someone turned around, looked at me and turned back around. I was like, oh, I messed up. So <laughs> I was like, never again. I'm not I'm hiding it under a bush. Oh no. Yes. And I just like, I was like, this isn't going to come out. So anyway, I was auditioning for Oliver and I sang for real. And she was like, oh my gosh, you can be a chorus member. And that was, wow. Yay. No role, whatever. It's fine. (laughs) So I auditioned, I got in the musical in like my private little private school where they just did people. Um, but I did it every year. And then I'm, I was Annie. I was in Fiddler on the Roof. I was one of the main characters. I was so hype. And I was like, singing's my jam. It That's it. Yeah. So my mom got me involved in voice lessons. And I had like the best teacher ever. She was just so kind. And I was one of the youngest students she ever took on. So it was just like, my mom was like, Mackenzie, make sure you practice because... I'm paying good money for this <laughs> <laughs> and knowing me like I just hated practicing I hated all that stuff so I was like yeah sure and then I'd practice on the 20 minute drive there the next week but um we that's, that's all of us FYI I mean oh. I had the same exact conversation I wanted to be on a traveling soccer team which what a mistake for a guy my size but my dad was just like listen this soccer team is astronomically expensive if you go on this team. You will practice every single day. And if you don't practice, I will freaking beat you. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to play. So I literally just didn't even play. So yeah, I totally can understand what you're saying right there. It makes total sense. Oh, it's the worst. Like, no, thanks. Um, but anyway, so I, what was I saying? I, um, did singing and I didn't practice for a long time, but I was like learning opera music and singing in Italian and Latin and all hello. the hello. Um, and all the while singing on the worship team at my church and in the choir and stuff like that. And so I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Like I'm able to use my, use my voice and still be involved and not like be an usher or something. So I just, I was like, I love, I love singing. I love doing this. So I figured that was just going to be my career. Like Mm. singing's the move. That's my artistic outlet. That's, that's where I'm the best, you know? So I got all through high school and did choir all four years, was in voice lessons still through high school, did musicals, landed the leads. I was like, so proud of myself. Um, And went to Whitewater for two years. I auditioned and got a scholarship and I was like, this is it. This is. So what did you get a scholarship for? And we're talking about Whitewater, Wisconsin, correct? Yeah. University of Wisconsin, Whitewater. Okay. Um, I auditioned my senior year and I got like, I think it was like a couple thousand dollars scholarship um, for vocal performance. So really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. I didn't even know they gave out scholarships for that. Yeah. It's not just for sports. No. I was thinking like sports, but like academics and stuff like, yeah, that's true. And I didn't get nothing for sports, trust me. But yeah, just I mean, typical ha- jerk response. It's not just for sports. Oh, you have music. to care about us theater people. Yeah. Th- us thespians. Isn't that we right? We have value. Please. 
No, but even in high school, I did like the, it's called the Wisconsin State Music Association, WSMA. Mm-hmm. They have like a state honors choir and they have like all these competitions. And my senior, I think my junior year or senior year, I auditioned for like a full ride scholarship to Madison. And I was like, I think they take like the first 10 applicants. And I was like, probably like 20th. But a bunch of people like rejected the full ride scholarship. So I was like a candidate for a full ride. Dang. But I I didn't take it because I'm I was a stupid 16 year old. Don't tell my mom (laughs) I said that. She like so regrets the fact that I didn't take it. (laughs) She's still mad at me. So Kathy, if you're listening to this, please skip the last 15 seconds. Just don't don't rub it in my face. (laughs) Okay. And not to throw any any shade on on the vocal artists, because like let's be real, between sports and and actually learning how to do something with your voice, one is much harder and it is not sports. Let's just get real. Come on. Yeah. Well, we we work hard too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's just a different kind of workout. I mean, we're it is abs and Trust me, I was out of breath. Someone was like, hey, try this like singing exercise. And I'm like, I can't breathe. I'm going to die. Like, I'm this is. I remember after vocal like lessons, I would be like winded and sweating. And she's like, that's how you know you're working well. Like, (laughs) get out of here. Like, this is, I didn't come here to work out. I came here to sing for an hour and leave. I just imagine this lady with like a stick and she just smacks you in the back of the head. Anytime you hit a bad note. She had a Polish accent. She's wonderful. Oh my God. Awesome. She's wonderful. That's amazing. But anyway, yeah. So I, I went to college for it. I was at Whitewater for two, two years, two years. And I was like, just living my best life. Like, I was living the college life. I thought it was so cool and realized so you're, you're living the party life. You're living yeah, the dream. I was, I was like, I'm going to have the college experience. I'm so cool. Like I'm going to go have fun. And it wasn't fun. Yeah. I realized. So I like broke up with the guy I was dating. I just totally 180 my life. Cause I knew like I was I wanted something more than just, I, I knew I didn't want to sing opera the rest of my life. Like that right. was not what I wanted. I wanted something so much more fulfilling than that. And hmm. I was just like, I need, I need to change now, or I'll get to a point where I'm just going to regret the fact that I didn't do anything about it when I felt it this strong. So yeah, sure. That makes a lot of sense. Like the summer after my sophomore year of college at Whitewater, I, um, I interned at my church and I just like came to the realization that I just, I needed to be at a church. Like I Mm. wanted to work at a church so bad. And I was like, I feel so stupid. Cause when you're, when you're young, especially when you're 18, you're like where I choose to go to college is the biggest decision I'll ever make. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to make or break me. And I was so scared to tell my parents, I was like, Mm. They're going to think I just wasted money, everything, wasted two years. Oh my gosh, I've just ruined my life. And I go home and tell my mom, I was like, I think I need to go to Life Leadership College. It's a college that's associated with Life Church, the church that I was interning at that summer. And she was like, Kenzie, do it. Don't, why are you questioning it? Why are you like scared of me? So 
and, and again, my parents so supportive. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just, hey, you know you, and you know what God's calling you to. Just do it. There's, yeah. no, there's no regret in that. So I was just like, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go. And so I applied, and I mean, academics that I am got accepted <laughs> to both colleges. Go me, go me. Whatever. I was first like, ballot acceptance. I mean, I yes. mean. Who doesn't want me? Yes. So I, people listening to this probably will think I'm so conceited. I promise. Oh, it is said in good jest. <laughs> no. Hey, and, and just think about it. You didn't even, your parents didn't even have to pretend you're on the water polo team and give $500,000 to a school for you to make it in there. I was watching that. That's crazy, dude. That I'm documentary making- makes me so angry. And also completely I understand I was like yeah we all knew that was happening yeah what parent doesn't do that exactly Um, so weird the whole college thing but anyway so I switched colleges I was like I felt like I was starting from square one I was Hmm. a freshman all over again freshie but I was I was at school again and I was going toward a life in like well, a life in ministry from what I thought I was like, this is it. This is all I'm doing now. Um, but I still was like, I'm going to be a worship leader. I'm going to sing. That's, that's the move. Um, right. that's the only possible option. So it's like kind of all I knew. I was like, you either, you know, either speak or you sing and that's kind of all you can do. Right. Um, but my freshman year, I got crazy sick. Like I was I was working 25 hours a week at Starbucks on top of like full-time school on top of interning at the church. So I had no days off. I was just wiping myself out and I got a cold and it progressed to like crazy, like pneumonia. I didn't what? catch it. Yeah. And I'm working at Starbucks one day and I had been caught, I had been hot, like hacking up along for probably three or four weeks like every night, just coughing through the night. And finally it just caught up with me. And I was working at Starbucks at the register one day and I coughed really hard and I felt the pop in my ribs. I was like, oh my gosh, that hurts really bad. And I'm four hours into my eight hour shift. I'm like, I go to my shift. I'm like, I think I need to go. Like I just popped something. They're like, just get through the rest of your shift. And then you can go to the doctor. I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay. So I get through my eight hour shift um on a Friday and I know that I'm church the next day and I'm like crying sobbing in my car because it hurts when I cry and then I'm just sad at the same time I don't know what I'm gonna do so I like rush myself to urgent care and I'm sitting in the parking lot waiting for my mom because I'm not really an adult and I need my mom with me at the doctor and I (laughs) I was like mom I don't know what to do so we go in there and they take an x-ray they're like you dislocated cartilage in your rib cage. You can't talk a lot or sing a lot for the next like two weeks and you need to be on bed rest. So I was on like crazy medication for like a long, like for two weeks. What did you have like walking pneumonia or something? And then you just coughed. Yeah. Well, I had bronchitis that was early stages of pneumonia. And so I was on like antibiotics. I was on steroids. I was on like cough syrup with codeine I was just like I was on like four different medications I thought I was gonna my mom was like Kenzie you're calling in this weekend or I will call in for you and I will quit your job and quit school for you I was like (laughs) okay mom I'll be fine (laughs) 
I'll call, but I'm like, I'm the, I'm a, such a people pleaser. And I was like, I, I can't say no to anything. And if I learned anything from that experience, it was like, you need to rest. Yeah. You need to rest. If you do not take that time, your body's going to catch up with you. Yes. And it it will. Can, it'll kill you. So I like called everyone and like sobbing. I was like, I'm so sorry. I think I'm dying. And obviously everyone's like, okay, please sleep. And so I'm like at home recovering and I still can't sing. And I'm like, I need some kind of creative outlet. So I started drawing and I was like, I'm not half bad at this. I'm not great at it, but I'm Mm -hmm. not bad. So I started doing like little handwriting stuff and all the little calligraphy that was super big back then it was like all the photography and stuff and I wanted to put it on my computer so I was like I need to figure out photoshop so I like talked to a few people and had some people teach me photoshop and I showed the Daniel Alks who was previously on this podcast shout out shout out D Lauks D money and I showed him and he probably didn't say anything at the time. He was like, oh, nice. I just <laughs> gave you an offhanded, sarcastic comment of, well, that could be better. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't I don't even know. <laughs> but he was like, oh, she's trying Photoshop. Nice. Well, how about you try some more projects? Didn't really give me anything, but was just like, yeah, keep practicing. Like, probably not expecting anything. And I'm like, I, I will. So <laughs> I like. 10,000 projects later. And here we yeah. are. I just work my freaking fanny off and like learn Photoshop and learn how to do quotes on Photoshop and make random little happy Thanksgiving graphics. And like, I just kept doing it. And finally, finally, Daniel realized my talent and, Hmm. (laughs) and was like, oh, she can actually like do this. So I'm still in my freshman year and like, putting in work, learning these programs, which like Photoshop's a beast. It's a hard program. And I just put, I, I just worked at it. So you're and just like 95% self-taught then basically. I am. I'm a hundred percent. I don't, I didn't even take a Photoshop class in high school. Really? Like, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, cause it is a beast for sure. Like mm-hmm. I've tried to do some stuff you know, because you've actually been the the creator behind all of the podcast stuff, but I've tried to do some stuff and sent it to you and it's just not easy. Like, holy cow. That's, it is a bear cat. It is. It's like, it's tough. YouTube was my university, YouTube university. And there's so many, like, there's so many resources out there. It can be really overwhelming, like knowing where to start. But I realized that like, especially in college, I was like, I just need to do an internship. So I went to River Valley Church and I interned there under Tissel Patel. He's like one of the most incredible designers I know, just Mm -hmm. extremely talented and invested so much time in me and like showed me Skillshare. And that's where I learned Illustrator. It's where I learned InDesign. And just like, I grew this huge love for learning those Adobe programs Mm. and just a huge love for design. And ever since that, I, I, I've just loved design and all things like creating, Um, especially digitally. I think it's just so crazy how far art has progressed where it's like, it doesn't just have to be the traditional paper pencil. It's not 
it's not boxed into that anymore. It's so much greater than that. And I just, I think I've just realized that there's so much beauty in the world. Yeah. And not everyone sees it right away. And that's what the, the gift and the burden of an artist is, is to see that beauty and help make others realize it. And it's been, that's been my mission. Hmm. Even in the, just working in the church, I think like we're the creation of the ultimate creator. Why are we creating the most beautiful things that the world's ever seen? And I'm not saying that I've made that by any means, but I love being able to like feed into that and like show, show the church and show people like there is some beautiful stuff out there. There are beautiful words that have been said. And sometimes it's like seeing words laid out in an image in a certain way. And it just like, it hits different, you know? Yes. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and and like different, it does. And it it, like, uh, it's crazy. Like you said, like how pictures and how art has like transformed and how you go from like, okay, looking at a forest and painting it Bob Ross style, you know, there's no mistakes, only happy accidents. You know what I mean? Like whatever. Please. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Um, or whatever, or pencil, but then like where it's going now. And it was crazy. Cause I think you're right. Like when you look at something and when you know, it's like sharp and created well, it is different than something that you're like, yeah, this is just kind of thrown together. Maybe they're even like the same color scheme. They have the same elements, but just how they're like placed matters so much, which is so crazy that mm-hmm. like that, that little, like, and that eye that I think that people who have that design eye and that creative I see is just so different than even something like me, where I'm looking at something and I've said this before to so many people, like, yeah, I know it looks good or it doesn't look good, but I have no idea why. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how do you find your, why it looks good and why it doesn't look good? Oh my gosh. It took me really, like, it didn't take me a long time to figure it out. Cause I, I think I always knew what I liked to see. Um, but whenever I like, especially when I'm first teaching like life leadership, college students design or someone that doesn't understand it, I literally just have them read Pinterest. I'm like, just find quotes, like look up quotes on Pinterest and see which ones you think look really cool and then find which ones you hate and put them side by side and see what is so different about them. Like, what are the little things that throw you off? And typically it's, oh, that font is so ugly. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes, that's what ruins it. Or there's 10 fonts on here. That's what's making me, that's what's throwing me off. And sometimes it's even like just margins on like the corners of like on the edges of your image. Like if text is just too close to the edge, it makes it look cheap where if the margin is good and the, like, if it's a well-balanced, so like the rule of thirds, like it's lining a top third or it's lining a bottom third. Like it's not always dead center. Like there are, there are things that you just learn the human eye is drawn to. And like you catch on to that, the more you look at good design Um, and design progresses. So like what's cool now was not cool two years ago or three years ago, or even like 10 years ago. Like it's always, it's constantly changing. So I always find myself like, okay, what are this year's trends? Do I actually think those are the real trends? Cause it's (laughs) not 
designers that are saying what it is. And then in reality, this is what's being pushed. So it's like right now it's all the nostalgia vibes where like drop shadows were lame, like three, two, three years ago, everything <laughs> flat. Now it's like, you want a harsh drop shadow and you want sure. it to be really colorful where back then it was like black and white or like keep it real chill. And now it's like, yeah, a lot of whites, but let's do neon. Let's throw that in. Right. And so it's just like, learning how to stay up to date, but also stay true to yourself. Cause mm -hmm. if you're, if you're, what you're creating isn't true to you, people are, people are going to see that and they're going to know like, that doesn't seem very like genuine. That sounds mm -hmm. really, like that can sound super judgy, but I like, I always want to make sure that whatever I'm creating is true to who I am. And yeah. even if it's not particularly on trend if it adds value to me and the people that I'm, that I'm creating for, that's what matters. Exactly. I'm not here to be an influencer. I'm not here to try and be someone I'm not. Cause that's not what true art is. That's not what true beauty is. True beauty and art is just being yourself, being genuine. And that's always going to shine brighter than just trying to be like everybody else, you know? Yeah, 100%. That yeah. makes total sense. And I think you have to have your signature on it some way. Like it has yeah. to be you. I think about that in even writing sermons, right? Like I've known so many people who have been like, oh, like, and they would never say this out loud. So I'm not going to say their names, but they just rip off whether it's Judah Smith or, you know, somebody else. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to take this. And I'm like, it, it just, it's not you. So yeah. it's, it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah, sure. The points are great, but it still sucks because you're not him or you're not her. Like it's yeah. not. So just be you and add that signature to it. And so whatever you're creating, I think that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, like, I don't think I could put it any better, but I think like the true beauty is found in you being genuinely you like, that's so cool. And it's interesting that you said that because there's like a science to design, but there's also like creativity into it. So there's like formulas that you need to follow but within those formulas and within those guidelines, you have the ability to create. And so there's like a small window of where like, this is great. And that's what changes a good thing from a great thing. Well, yeah, it's knowing where to bend those rules. Because if you, if you just bend them to bend them, then like, there's no intentionality behind it. It's just that eh, I, I, right. I saw someone else do it. It's never going to make sense to you. It's not going to make sense to the people viewing it or hearing it or whatever. Right. But if it makes sense to you, you're like, this is why I'm doing it. This is, this is the, the reason then typically people will catch on. And if mm -hmm. they don't, and you explain it, they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But to your point of like your own signature, like that's not going to come immediately. No. If I, I realized through like my art, like it takes so much time to become you. And mm -hmm. it's so, it's so frustrating because you want it, you want it to be you immediately. You want it to be perfect. At, at least for me, like I am a perfectionist to a T and <laughs> I started like illustrating and faces are freaking hard to draw. And I hated drawing eyes. Cause like they were so bad when I started drawing them, <laughs> like so bad. I was scared of my drawings. Josh was scared of my drawings. My husband it just he, he walks like, in. Whoa, what is that? He's like, Kenzie, that's some uncanny valley. I was like, <laughs> oh no, oh no. 
that's not good. That's not what we want. I'm deleting this right now because I posted on my Instagram. I'm like, well, I just need to get rid of this immediately. Oh, man. But like there's I think there's just something to be said for overcoming that fear of the failure and the and just the the frustration of not meeting your own expectations and just coming to that wall again and again, because after a while, it's going to get so much easier but you need to get through that fear and that failure to finally reach that success and like the joy of finally uh, like arriving to a milestone. Cause I don't think we ever arrive in no. art. I don't think we'll ever reach the pinnacle of success as long as we live. And I, I love that because that like, isn't that life? Like we're yeah. never gonna, we're never going to be exactly who we think we want to be because sometimes it changes who we want to be, mm-hmm. the artist we want to be, the person we want to be, the the spouse like spouse we want to be, friend we want to be. Like that's that bullseye is always changing. But I think there's so much beauty in the growth and the constant struggle through like right who I am, but I'm going to get there and I'm just going to exactly. take the next step. And each next step is so cool and it's right. so fun. Yes. I love that. That's awesome. That makes a ton of sense. I think what you're saying. And it's like, when you look at it as that process and it's like progress, and I'm just kind of moving through this. I want to go back to one thing you said, like that the first time you were singing that you saw someone turn around in church and they're like, gave you that look. So what is the process of overcoming? Like just for purposes of this illustration, like that look in whatever it is, maybe it is singing or maybe it is like art. Like how did you, have you had a struggle with like, Hey, I need to overcome this insecurity. And if you have, then how do you kind of fight through that? How did you battle that? Oh my gosh. I have constant insecurity. <laughs> well, Living don't it. Don't we all, constant. don't we all. Oh my gosh. It, insecurity just sucks. I just, true. I think part of overcoming insecurity is not focusing on yourself so much, which mm. sounds very counterintuitive, yeah. but I like over insecurity is another form of pride because it's completely focusing on what's wrong with me. Something's an issue with me. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with me. It's always the, this is, this is what's wrong with me. And I've like, when it comes to singing or I did something wrong or I messed up on stage and I know people were making fun of me, or I am just insecure about a drawing and what they think of me, like, okay, first of all, people don't care that much. Like, Agreed. I'm not the thing they went home and thought about and laughed about. Like they probably <laughs> forgot within 20 seconds. So <laughs> Very true. Like, why am I dwelling on this for five hours? There is no reason for that. Yeah. Like, it, it's just, it's just not. And ultimately, I don't want to make this hyper spiritual, but like, God didn't mess up. Like, he didn't make you wrong. And if I'm going to, anal- like, pick apart every single little thing about me that I'm not confident about, just because it's different than someone else then there's something wrong because God didn't mess up. I should right. probably trust that he knew exactly what he was doing with me. Mm-hmm. You know? And Absolutely. I, I always have to just 
when it comes to insecurity, it's taking the mirror away from myself, mm-hmm. turning my gaze and my direction to God and saying, okay, is this really something that I should be dwelling on? Because if it is, help me figure it out and mm-hmm. make it better because maybe there's a shred of truth in it. And maybe it is something that I need, that I need to grow in. So what's my next step to grow? But I never want to wallow in insecurity because that's yeah. that's the death of joy. Yeah. Yeah, it truly is. When I was thinking about that, like, I think anyone in any job, in any situation, if you have breath in your lungs, you have a part of your life that you're insecure about. Mm -hmm. And I think like, there's really like two options to insecurity. There's either you humble yourself or you are constantly in this place of proving yourself. You either humble yourself or you're trying to prove yourself to somebody else. And I had the same thing. Like, about speaking or in sermons, this used to happen to me all the time. I would step off stage and I'm like, I freaking crushed that. I mean, there hasn't been a better sermon. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking about this boom point and I'm like, unbelievable. Not a soul says a word, not even Abby. She doesn't say anything to me. And and maybe she did. I'm just using, you know, but then I walk off the stage. I'm like, literally I mispronounced 17 words. I slurred a (laughs) hundred times. I don't even know what my second point was. I forgot it. And then someone comes up to me with tears in their eyes. Oh man, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I'm like, this is just, you know, Get out of here. <laughs> this is ridiculous at this point. And it's, it's a practical joke in my mind that, that God plays with me because anytime I walk off stage, and I think I did good still to this day, seven years in, not a soul. Anytime I just, I'm like, that sucked. Someone comes up. I think that changed that, that, that point. And I'm like, okay. I get it. You know, like we, but we all go through that like humility. And I think what happens sometimes is when we don't choose to humble ourselves, like you'd have, where you're like, you know what? Yeah. They're not thinking about me. What you do is you're constantly trying to prove yourself. And you're like, no, no, you go back to, no, no, no. I am valued. No, no, no. I am good. No, watch me here. See me there. And we end up going down roads and trying to prove things to people who could care less about us. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's not why we're here. Like, that's not, that's not the purpose. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just have, like, I love, I almost said, I love thinking about myself, but like. (laughs) Speaking of humility, I love thinking about myself. I am the most humble of anyone, (laughs) but um, no, like, I don't know. I think it's so easy to get wrapped up in that vortex of thinking about yourself and thinking about how one, how good you are or how bad you are. But I love the C.S. Lewis quote. It's um, humility isn't about thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Yeah. So it's like, I, my focus doesn't need to be on me. Mm -hmm. I can think about the things that I can improve on. Like, I don't think that's ever bad. Like I would, I, it's, good to be self-aware it's good to understand like what you're great at and what you're bad at that's okay but I think when it becomes like the only thing you think about that's when it becomes so unhealthy mm-hmm. and I I'm just so thankful for people in my life that keep me in check like yeah. my mom number one like mm-hmm. if if I'm on either end of the spectrum she's like Mackenzie do not undersell yourself you know who you are mm-hmm. or Mackenzie pride comes before the fall. (laughs) 
So I have one. I my mom is just my she's wonderful. Just knows how to how to knock you down and build you right back build up. Build you right back up. Yeah. <laughs> I love but it. But it's so important to have those people in your life because you don't have if you don't have them, you'll just get so stuck in the mm-hmm. constant just picking yourself apart and like the social media world does not help at all with that where it's constantly make this better about yourself improve this about yourself especially for women like mm-hmm. i know i know there's definitely the men stuff like men deal with this too but there's so much of like you need to stay beautiful and here's how and you need to stay that like this and here's what we can do to fix it i'm like i didn't even know that was a problem <laughs> now i'm all concerned about my stretch marks when i like didn't think they were an issue right right <laughs> And I don't know, it's just, it's so sad. And I I just think there's so much that we can learn from just not thinking about ourselves so much, like think about something else. Well, I think that's what's super cool. So like you have an Instagram page, like your own personal one, but then you also have an artist page. And that's what I think is really cool about like, I follow along your artist page. I think it's so awesome because you are in this social media world, as you said, we're like bringing up all these things that we need to like conform to. And it's really cool because I feel like there's a lot of like beauty and also like, hey, this is a positive thought about yourself or and just like expanding on creativity. So what do you try to do, I guess, to maybe I'm not saying you're combating it, but you're like trying to shine a light, I think, intentionally of like, hey, this is some beauty that I'm creating. Check it out, you know, like think about things differently and, you know, like all that stuff. So how do you fight that? How do you kind of you know, lead to maybe a different option? Mm, I think, I think in the last like year, especially since like the whole COVID situation, I have realized that like my social media is not a tool for self, like is not a self-marketing. I never Mm -hmm. want to just be to promote me. I think every time I make a post, unless I'm like posting a picture of my husband, which I love doing, um, but (laughs) But he doesn't, but it's all good. Oh my gosh. He like, he hates being in front of the camera, but I don't care. (laughs) Um, anytime I do a post though, like I've just realized I want, I want someone to feel like they've just had value added to them. Like, I don't want it to be a self-promotion tool. I want it to be a promotion tool of like joy Hmm. or fulfillment or, Hey, have grace for yourself today. Yeah. Like I, I've always loved following accounts where they're not talking about how crappy their day was or how awful the world is. Like (laughs) I love, I love following people that are like, Hey, you got this. Right. like find, find the joy, find something to be thankful for today. And that inspired me. And so I'm like, I'm going to, I constantly want that to be what I put forward. I don't want to be another negative Nancy, just like invading the Instagram space that like, there's too much, there's enough of that. Mm-hmm. And negativity is so contagious. Yes. That, like, I want joy and kindness and encouragement to be what people know me for yeah I never want it to be the negative so I guess that's my way to combat it and whenever I feel like really self-conscious about it because I think there is the imposter syndrome of like man like do I really am I really adding anything to this whenever Mm -hmm. I start feeling like that 
I just delete the social media apps off my phone. I'm like, you know what? That's if I'm feeling that way, I'm probably just really burnt out and I don't need to be there right now. Yes. And I just unplug. Okay. That's so interesting. So you unplug when you feel like you're getting to the place of where you're starting to find your worth within the apps. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I hate, I hate like the, and I, well, you love it in the moment, the endorphin rush of like, oh yeah. Looking my photos, whatever. But I could find out that I was getting stressed out about like losing followers on my art Instagram. And I was like, um, this is the last thing I should ever be stressed out about. (laughs) I'm deleting this. I'm done. So I'll delete it for three weeks, not post and Instagram punishes you and doesn't show your stuff. So I'm like, whatever. I don't even care anymore. Right. But like now I just post because I'm really excited about my art and what I'm creating. I'm, it's not because I want a fan base or a following. Right. You know? And that's the beauty of it is it's coming from the genuine who you are mm-hmm. with the intention to help people find some beauty in the creativity of who they are. That's yeah. what I think the beauty of it. You've taken the formula for your life and you're applying it to something that they can apply it to. That's yeah. really cool. Thanks. Yeah. I love doing that. I I don't know. I love encouraging people. That's just fun. It's just nice. <laughs> so you think that's one of your like gifts you like to be encouraging to people? Oh my gosh. That's like, if I could make that my job, I would. <laughs> I've thought about it. I'm like, how can I like just be the person in an office? It's just like, hey, I'm really proud of you. And that, yes. that's leave and that's my day as long as you're like the person who actually means it because you always know that there's that person who's like hey you're really great but you know they're doing it because they're trying to get a foothold into your life oh well I that's ulterior I hate ulterior motive compliments never please never Never knew that because we can all see right through it yeah yeah people know like um you just want me to give you five dollars for coffee (laughs) you want me to co-fi which is not something that's like some exotic artist account it's coffee yeah it's coffee it's coffee i love coffee so much if you want to buy me a starbucks gift card you can yeah shout out but also make sure you just send along some hazelnut creamer because you're one of those people i'm one of those oh give me a vanilla latte from starbucks i won't even complain oh Oh. and hallelujah so we got to your story where you're creating and your daniel finally recognizes you know even though after so much so long and then uh and then you're I think we got to you know getting to the end of college so where yeah. where are you at after that to now after that to now oh my gosh I've been at the same place <laughs> I have I have worked at Life Church as a oh my gosh um part-time graphic designer to the full-time graphic designer to the associate director of communications um And then I actually left for four months and went full-time freelance for a little while. And that was really, really cool because it was a huge break. I think I was feeling a lot of burnout just because probably personal reasons of just Mm -hmm. like doing art and not always doing it for yourself is really draining. For sure. Uh, And I think I was just losing the why behind why am I, why am I doing any of this? Mm -hmm. And I think COVID brought a lot of that out of me because I was constantly creating when we were in lockdown. So I was drawing for probably eight or nine hours a day. And, um, when we so much, yeah, so, so long, Josh, like, didn't even see me. Um, but 
when we went back to full time, I lost that. And I, I think it was really, really exhausting for me because I didn't have that personal creative outlet. Sure. So I kind of like reached, reached the end of myself with that. And, um, I went to be just full-time freelance, which turned into literally, it was like 10 hours a week. I was doing nothing. I was, I was like a stay at home wife and it was the best thing ever. Um, but, (laughs) and I still felt like I was called to the church. And so, um, went back full-time at life church and I'm now the, uh, creative director, director of communications, um, at life church. And I, I love, I love working in the church. I think it's, there's just so much to, to still be done. And absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think I've just realized that now being back in this role full time, I'm, I need to make things for me. So Mm -hmm whether it's like reading a, reading a book and making a a quote graphic out of it, or it's a one-off illustration randomly during the day. It's, I just, I need to make for me Mm -hmm. start to feel that, oh, I don't want to make anything anymore. Cause when you reach that point, it's because you've just exhausted, exhausted the part of yourself where you can just create because you have the raw skill and the time, Mm -hmm. but like I just know I need to I need to pray I need to read a book I need right. to listen to music and I need to make for me when I reach that point because then finally it gets those gears going again of the creative the creative mind and that's when I'm like okay I can go for another four weeks now <laughs> right right yeah you got to find the things that are filling your tank so that you can do the things that you have to do you know that makes it a lot of sense yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah I think crushing it in anything creative and also I mean still vocally it's just like we can pull you off you know the bench at any point and then just rock and roll with the leader of Annie and Thespians United and just unbelievable yeah well I still I still drive out Josh so my husband is a production guy so he runs sound and stuff so him and I We'll drive up to our Appleton campus. Um, we were going out three weekends a month, so an hour and an hour fifteen minutes every Sunday, and now we still go up about two weekends a month, and it's so fun. So I still it get is. to sing. I didn't drop it completely, but right, right, yeah. And you know, just to say he's a production guy, he is the production guy. Let's get the, real, the guy. He's like crazy smart. I don't know how I hooked him. Actually, he's, he's one of my favorite guys because when he like says something, it'll sometimes just take you, you're like, he doesn't talk very often. And, but when he does, you're like, what in the bejesus did you just say? Like, he just will just come up with something and you're like, holy crap. Like when I'm sitting next to Albert Einstein this whole time and you're just sitting here making coffee for everybody. This is unbelievable. I know he's, he's just, he's so good. He's so smart. He takes things apart, fixes it back up, and you wouldn't have known it's broken. He's like, <laughs> I know I was in, he's doing that on his, uh, for his job now, right? Through his Instagram. Yeah. I've seen some stuff that he's posted and yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. He's phenomenal. We're a power couple. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You guys are awesome. How long have you been married now? I should know this because I was at your wedding. Yeah. You married us. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, I don't even know. I feel like it's like a year and a half at this it's point. Year, right? It's a year and a half, yeah. We started dating summer of 
Jul so July 2018, we started dating. We got engaged February 2019. So seven months we were dating. And then we were engaged for eight months, got married October 2019. And we've been married ever since. Ever since. Incredible. Yeah. October. Yeah, that's a great month to get married. That's me and Abby got married on the 19th of October. That's so wonderful. Wait, I think Noah and Josie got married then too. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Just crazy. Just crazy. crazy. October, the best month to be married in. Truly, truly. Also the best month to be born in because that's my birthday. Anyways, um, shout out, humble brag. Humble brag. <laughs> so let's, I want to, I mean, you've been talking, I've thought probably a hundred times about some Enneagram personality stuff. So hey, yeah. what one are you? Because I feel like I'm trying to pin it down in my head and I have no idea. So yeah, I'm a nine wing one nine wing one yeah interesting crazy peacemaker dude any yeah well obviously we know that but the people pleasing oh yeah people pleasing crazy hard i well i like hate conflict i have grown in that though i have gotten way better like now i can finally tell the waiter what i want <laughs> So now I've grown in the conflict so much that when someone's fighting, I don't run out of the room crying. I just slowly exit out of it's, the room. I moonwalk away. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nick no. Miller, moonwalk away. Hey, this is two episodes in a row now that we're talking about New Girl. Holla. Holla. I love New Girl. I've, I think I've watched it three, three times. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. So nine wing one. Okay. Interesting. And so. And then the one I'm like the perfectionist in me for sure. Like yeah. big time. And like my nine and one compete all the time. Cause the one in me is like, be constantly productive, like just get it done. Yeah. The nine in me is like, I need to sleep for a week. So I like, I have to always ride the balance of, okay, I'm going to take the wave and knock a month of work out in a day and then I'll sleep for two weeks and not care and be like a mega sloth because <laughs> <laughs> that's the nines like identify oh. as the sloth oh, yeah. yeah or just be like extremely like productive but in all the wrong things like exactly procrastinating, yeah. pro like procrastinating productive where yes yeah that's kind that's so me that's so interesting because you have those two things that are fighting one another, the sloth and the perfectionist. What, but it makes sense. Like, okay, if I'm trying to be too perfect on Instagram, then I'll kind of lean on my nine and I'll just delete it and hang out for a few weeks. Then I'll come on back. I got no shame in that game. I'll, I'll, I'll archive that crap so fast. So fast. No shame. Okay. So I was just listening to this thing from uh, the guy who has written all of the books on the Enneagram, Ian Morgan Cron. And he was like, basically you can choose from any number you want at any time. And I was like, what the frick is the point of the numbers? If I can choose whatever number I want to be all the time, does this make sense to you? I'm like sitting here. I'm like, okay, I'm at eight. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe it makes sense if you're him, but I guess I need to listen to it more, but I'm an eight wing seven. So obviously eight is the one you don't want to be because there's 
jerks. Terrifying, terrifying humans. <laughs> to me. Thanks. Thank terrifying. you. <laughs> hey, that's me right there. So there you go. Please never yell at me. Please. 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 <laughs> terrifying <laughs> humans. Oh, yeah. They can be. We can be. And, uh, but no, the, then the wing seven is like the life of the party, like Bob Goff. So goofy, yes. but so I just want to like prove that I'm the best. So, um, nines humble brag. Yeah. Humble brag. I swear people are going to think of like the, the most conceited human being. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm not, <laughs> please get to know me better. Um, but, uh, the nine. So I heard this once. I don't even know if this is true, but I'm going to believe it. The nines, you know how they're at the top of the thing, like the crown or whatever? Yeah. The pyramid. It's a pyramid scheme. Yeah. A pyramid. Yeah. And he grabs a pyramid scheme. They make no money. <laughs> so, um, but they, so what nines are, they're like the crown of the thing. So they empathize so hard with every personality that nines mm-hmm. are constantly mistyped because they're like, oh yeah, I can relate to that. I would mm-hmm. do that. That makes sense. So like I had the hardest time typing myself because I would like type myself as a two or a four or a six, never an eight, but <laughs> wow, <laughs> I'm not intense, yes. dude. I can't, I'm not, I'm not like that. Um, but like never could type myself, but nines just like, we get everybody. We're so, we, we're, we so empathize. Yes, <laughs> that is so true. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And also to bring back new girl, you remember when Schmidt walks in and he's like, don't mistake my tone because I'm filled with waters of rage. That is me 24 seven. Don't mistake my tone. I'm filled with waters of rage but all this is a my wife abby is an enneagram nine so i know she's like the enneagram expert the resident lister house enneagram expert and basically we have conversations about the enneagram and then i pawn them off on the podcast as my own conversations uh because she's much smarter than me but as she was saying this that the nine has uh like a factor of all of the other numbers so they are the like people that you just naturally gravitate to because they can empathize with everybody i mean that is crazy to me yeah we're the perfect creative because we can empathize with all the feelings that's true all the feels but also the perfect creative because you fit the stereotype because you can jump into a sloth and not do anything for two and a half weeks yeah don't come at me like that. Cool. I don't like Just that. Coming super hard. I mean, don't I feel I like call myself a sloth. Don't you dare call me a sloth. Don't you dare. I didn't. I said I was just explaining vernacular here. I'm like traumatized from my childhood because sometimes <laughs> my parents would be like, Kenzie, you're so lazy. Like, why are you on the couch all day? I'm like, what? Get off me. I just want to. <laughs> five days leave me alone i just went to school and slept on my desk for five whole days like what do you expect me to do i never slept in school never ever i couldn't even sleep in study hall i was i was such a good student so freaking good i forgot you got uh, a a scholarship to whitewater in madison at the same time so yeah that's true you got to be smart to get into madison that's true i didn't get into madison that's why i didn't get the saying so oh so it really isn't on you it wasn't your choice so your mom can't be mad at you yeah yeah kathy yeah, yeah. it is not your choice not my fault exactly don't put that shame on me yeah i'm trying to just be not. my genuine self here don't put my shame on me 
<laughs> I wasn't denied. I was waitlisted from Madison. That was like ultimate shame at Homestead High School. Was it really? <sighs> Kinda. Everyone from Homestead goes to Madison. That's like yeah. a cool place. I went to the Joliet Junior College because never you didn't. That. Yeah, that's true. Because you don't have to take a test to get into it, and it's cheap, and you can get your generals there. Did your, I was thinking of this earlier, did any of your generals from Whitewater transfer over? 45 of my 60 credits transferred. Okay. That's huge. That's awesome. Yeah. But like, I had to retake math. That sucked. Yeah. But you took math at like a Christian school. So like, it's like. What are you talking about? No, I didn't. I went to a public high school. No, I'm saying like at LLC through Sagu. Oh, yeah, I cheated through that. Yeah, you just you just (laughs) no, like I um at North Central, like I did all my generals at uh, at Julia Junior College, and then when we went to North Central, I had to like retake everything. Nothing transferred, and I was like, was this just a Ponzi scheme or what? Like, why am I having to go through English 101 again? I think colleges, man. I think it's just a whole a whole racket it is hey business made simple university do it uh do it your way you know what i mean just youtube it youtube university yeah you should trademark that let's just get real right now (laughs) youtube university it's it's true though youtube taught me so much stuff i am pending right now tm pending yeah don't steal it youtube i'll come after you (laughs) i'll find you this We're Google. not on YouTube, so it doesn't even matter. This podcast is not <laughs> on YouTube, so. Suckers. There you go. Is it? Does Google own YouTube? Is that? Is I that- don't know. I assume they all are owned by either Google or Amazon. And it's probably all owned by one person. Probably. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, who's owned by Elon Musk. So it's all good. Yeah. It's, it's out of my control, and I'm totally Love fine with that at this Lord. point. Loved by the Lord. Loved by the Lord. Ultimately. The Lord loves aliens too. So. Yeah. What? <laughs> you haven't what? heard that? That Elon's the resident alien living among us. That's how he created all Tesla, Tesla and he wants to get back to space. Okay. People are insane. That's you don't believe something. in aliens? I don't think. No, I do not. Yeah. See, I don't know where I stand on it. Controversial, but uh, no, I don't. I believe yeah. in dinosaurs though. Those are for okay. real. That's a whole Christian debate. Is it really? Well, maybe in my house it was. I mean, it feels like there's fossils and stuff. So like, yeah, it like, doesn't seem like that big of a debate. Well, whatever. But here's the deal. I saw Mel Gibson's movie <laughs> Signs and I believe in aliens. So coming up in the next few days, I will be wearing a foil hat. Mel Gibson is the epitome of truth. He's the. Yeah. He's I mean. You- beyond some of his personal actions but i'm saying his movies signs <laughs> passion of the christ he did he did do a very good job with passion but that was even controversial i remember like even when i was younger passion was like a whole thing okay so at north central you couldn't have any r-rated movies it makes it feel like you were in preschool Six but you could yeah, you couldn't have any R-rated movie. I'm like, I can buy this movie. Why can I not have it? Anyways, so you couldn't have it. But we used to always make the excuse. I don't have any R-rated movies. The only R-rated movie I have is Passion of the Christ. Yes. And then you just hide, you know, Goodfellas in Passion of the Christ because you wanted to watch it. Oh, heck yeah. 
I remember in LLC, like we couldn't watch our rated movie. Well, maybe we could, but like it was strongly advised against. But like Noelle Miller, she was like, but you guys can watch The Patriot. Like that was the one. <laughs> Another Mel Gibson movie. <laughs> Mel, we love you. We'd love to have you on the podcast. Yeah, maybe, of. maybe not, I guess. No, he'd be cool. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He'd have some stories. Yeah. War stories from passion. True. Passion of the Christ. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking some time and and chatting. This has been an absolute blast. And and, uh, and I really hope that people think um, that you are not arrogant because you're not. I mean, you know, just a little bit. But, you know, we're working on it. We're praying for you. We, we have a fast that's from noon to one every Friday that yeah. we're trying to and really. If you think I'm arrogant, please don't tell me because I'll probably cry. <laughs> No, no, absolutely. No, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking some time. And uh, it's been a blast. I can't wait to continue to watch your artistry and beauty continue. We should, everyone should go follow you. And uh, man, it's, this has been a blast. Can't wait to hang out again. Heck yeah. Where they've been podcast. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of Where They've Been. Man, I love that conversation. Man, I don't so know about good. You, so good. Yeah. Man, how Mackenzie just shares her story, such a powerful story, talking about how creativity was really like cultivated in her from an early yeah. age. And uh, she's truly one of the most creative people I know. She actually created the uh, graphics and yeah. images and the quotes and she's, she's talented helped, she's awesome helped yeah. me with everything for where they've been we this would not happen without her right. support and help and it's so cool to see how her parents kind of cultivated that in her and she's passing it on to llc students to anyone she knows and right through her artist page i just love her authenticity yeah and how she said she said one thing that i thought was super powerful and then i want to throw it to you to see what you thought but yeah she said like i realized that my instagram is not for self-promotion mm. but i want to like shine a light in the world i want right. to shine some positivity some authenticity and i just thought like man that's so yeah. powerful that's such an incredible way right. to use social media i love yeah. it yeah man i uh i love that with that authenticity she brought up the vulnerability as well where she was basically admitting her her own pride with right. a lot of her struggles that she was going with she said that over insecurity is about pride yeah and to me, I thought that hit the nail on the head. Like yeah. I had never seen, looked at it that way before. Right. And just with when she tells her story about her life and then just talking about like, what is it? Like most people don't care. Like, yeah. unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Like most people True. don't care. Like we're so over insecure because we put ourselves on a pedestal. Yeah. We don't want it to get knocked down. And so I loved how she basically made that like real life. Like this is my story and this is how that's played out. Exactly. You know? Yeah. No, I love that. And I love, I know for you, you saw the C.S. Lewis quote. And so, oh, so good. The C.S. So Lewis fan that you are, you have all of his books, including right. the Space Trilogy. Oh, so good. I mean, I'm, I want to kind of taper the C.S. Lewis talk because I'm sure the listeners will hear about C.S. Lewis from you and probably oh, I'm every sure. single It'll episode. Come up, probably.
we're gonna have to cut it out and post but <laughs> i like how i said in post in post yeah, that's just garage band on my computer <laughs> honestly vulnerability that's good vulnerability oh my goodness but man thank you again to Mackenzie for being right. on the where yeah, they've been podcast real. she's an incredible human we love her we love josh her husband and uh if you want to follow her you should follow her on instagram and uh, Mackenzie again but she's got an artist page as well ko-fi apparently just means buying coffee so uh you know buyer I, I coffee did, so good yeah who knew that who knew? i didn't know it did no you know i didn't that? tell you until you over clarified it no yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I had no idea. There's no things idea. that exist. It's great. It's it's <laughs> awesome. So make sure you go and follow Mackenzie. It was just an honor to have her on the podcast. And and before we leave today, we want to introduce just a new segment that we're calling Where They've Been Good News. Just good stories around the world. We're just going to end every outro with just an uplifting story from around the world that maybe you haven't heard and just share it just maybe share a little bit of the story, the heart behind it, just to really, uh, you know, bring some light and bring some joy into this podcast. That's what we're all about. We love right. telling stories. Um, I believe there's power in story. I really do. I think you have a story to tell every single person listening to this. Your life is powerful. It has meaning. It has worth. And so I just want you to know that we want to share a story. So Zach's going to, he did the research on this one. He's going to share the story. It's from Seattle, Washington. Well, Jeff, first I want to ask you a question. Yeah. What would you do if you randomly found $10,000 on the side of the road? Yeah. See, this is an ethical question. It's an ethical I'm, question. I'm not sure. I mean, it's like, what do you do? You what know? do you do? But I mean, I guess you give it back. You find the person yeah. and you give it back to them, right? That That's a question when you know people are going to be listening to this. I think <laughs> that's that's real talk, you know? <laughs> well, um, yeah, like you said, come out of Seattle. Uh, There's a guy that uh, his name uh, was Michael King. He ran into a situation where he actually was the one that uh, lost this money. Okay. Basically, he had to take out some cash from the bank. We've all been there. Yep. And uh, he took it out. And I don't know why, you know, your brain would necessarily go here, but he left it on his bumper and he forgot and he drove away. I'm and, telling you, uh, and we were talking about this before, but like he left it on his bumper. Like what? Like, was it in his wallet? Does it say? It actually does. It does say it was in his wallet. It right. says because, yeah. That, I mean, because ten thousand dollars seems like a lot. Like, there's not, you know, like that's a right. lot of money. That's so true. like yeah. he's got to have a George Costanza size wallet, you know, like a a triple quarter pounder. You know what if I mean? He didn't like, before that, he definitely did. He bad. definitely did. Right. Just leaves it on the bumper. So okay, right. he leaves it no. on the bumper. Yeah, and and, and, and drives away. Yeah, he drives away. So of course, you know, the wallet might be heavy, but it wasn't that heavy, and it fell off. <laughs> and uh, well, there's this good guy. So if you're in, we hear this from Washington, if you know Steve Harrison, he's a great guy. Um, basically, he, Steve Harrison, he was uh, driving the opposite direction and he actually saw it. He ran, he sat on the ground, he picked it up and he realized, oh, there's a ton of cash in here. He actually counted it. It was technically $10,003 because there were okay. a few ones in there. And uh, he picked it up, noticed there was an ID. Okay. And uh, for him, the choice from what he said, what he told exactly. the reporters was, hey, I know what to do. He said, uh, I never took seriously the notion of keeping it. It's wow. just simpler to do the right thing. Wow. And uh, yeah, long story short, he connected with the guy. He found out obviously where he lived and all his information and returned it. And uh, unbelievable. Yeah. The guy didn't give him any any money, but he did give him things like applesauce, homemade applesauce and homemade <laughs> jam and things like that. So, hey, he, come on. People in Washington, they must have, you know thousand dollar jams or something that was, that's what i'm thinking like <laughs> what type of jams and honeys am i getting to it's got gold flakes in it i'm sure yeah that's probably what it is shout out you but know that I mean? is your good news yes. around the world uh 
where they've been. And I was excited to read it. And I hope I never have to lose that money. <laughs> yes. Let's hope if you ever have that much money. I don't know if I've ever even seen that much money in my life. Not in and cash. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely not in cash. Well, obviously, because we're not, you know, bond villains who walk around with $10,000 <laughs> in our wallet. Anyways, thank you, Zach, for sharing that. Thanks, yeah. guys, for listening. This is another episode of Where They've Been. Love you all.